Good morning, everybody. Welcome to The Progressive American. I'm Connor, back with another morning podcast about the week's news from a progressive perspective. Welcome back to the show. It is Saturday, June 12th, 2021. Today, we are talking about additional spying allegations about Donald Trump and his administration, new charges against insurrectionists, Biden's attempt to negotiate a deal with the Iranian government, and recent statements by FBI Director for Christopher Wray. With all that out of the way, let's get into it. On Thursday, the New York Times reported that the Justice Department, under the leadership of former Attorneys General Jeff Sessions and William Barr, seized the records of several Democrats in Congress along with their family members. One of those family members who was monitored was a minor. Congressman Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell announced that their records were seized by the Justice Department as they were both members of committees investigating Trump's relationship with Russia. The phone records that were seized were taken with a gag order by the Trump administration against Apple, preventing the company from alerting members of Congress to the seizure. It is unsurprising, then, that this story has provoked outrage. Members of Congress are now demanding an investigation, with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senate Majority Whip Dick Durbin demanding that Bill Barr, the former Attorney General under Trump, testify about the spying. The Washington Post reported that the Justice Department internal watchdog will be conducting a review of the seizing. While it is unclear what will happen, it is important to remember that this is not the first time an issue surrounding spying has surrounded Trump. Guests of the previous episode will remember that the Trump administration was exposed for spying on several reporters at the New York Times, CNN, and the Washington Post to get at their sources. The fact that Trump took this further by spying on members of Congress is beyond astounding. Congress is not a lesser branch of government, it is equal to the presidency. So it is downright horrifying to learn that the presidency was abused in such a way at the expense of the duly elected members of Congress. They write the laws, ensure that power is not abused in the executive branch, and help build the future of this country. They need to be able to act freely without fear of the president spying on them and their family. Trump and all of his officials must be investigated to the fullest extent of the law, and if found guilty of any criminal actions or impropriety, They should be punished to the full extent of that law. We can't tolerate this kind of abuse if we want to maintain our checks and balances and to maintain our form of government. It's not even a matter of progressive or liberal or conservative at this point. It's a matter of maintaining the proper actions of our government and the stability therein. Turning to the Capitol insurrection of January 6th, we have to address a new revelation surrounding the charged persons. The Washington Post reported on Wednesday that six men from California were charged for their involvement with the January 6th insurrection. The men, four of whom are known as 3% members, are just a small portion of the perpetrators of yet another dark moment in American history. But more than that, their affiliation with the 3%ers, a white nationalist anti-government group, adds another layer to the Justice Department's efforts to punish the insurrectionists. Before the charges, 3%ers did not count their members among the accused. Now that that has changed, it is likely that the FBI may take a closer look at the organization, as media outlets such as Vice News have been covering their anti-government attitude for years. In a 28-page indictment, prosecutors charged the men with conspiracy but pay particular attention to one Alan Hostetter, who was promoting violence against the government on his social media pages, including promoting the idea that federal officers should be executed as an example to those who would engage in what he called tyranny. The end result was a plan involving all of the indicted men to travel to Washington to partake in the attack. One of them went through the window of the Capitol that was smashed by another attacker, and all of them partook in the attack in some capacity or another. Only one of them has pled guilty. It is important to keep an eye on these kinds of legal proceedings as they continue to develop around January 6th and the events that led up to it. This was one of the most atrocious attacks on our country, but this time it came from within. We did it to ourselves. 
And it is high time that we face that fact and make sure that this element of violent extremism is dealt with judiciously and firmly. While I am not suggesting that Americans as a whole are responsible for what happened, the fact of the matter remains that this threat did not come from the overseas, nor did it come from any foreign country or religion that we can blame for all of our problems. The truth is, these are people who look like us, walk like us, talk like us, and don't engage in any sort of supposedly amoral behavior that right-wing media prompts everybody to believe in. These were everyday Americans who had absolutely no problem forcibly overthrowing our government and our electoral system to get what they wanted. And conveniently, a lot of them are going to get away with it because of the color of their skin and because of their political affiliation. On a similar note, we now turn towards the FBI's response to the January 6th insurrection. On Thursday, FBI Director Christopher Wray once again tore down Trump's claims that the infamous attack of January 6th was a group of peaceful demonstrators and has stated that the FBI considers the events therein a terrorist attack. The significance of this is not to be understated. Trump and many of his ilk have spent the last several months attempting to claim that Antifa agents or other disruptive forces besides Trump supporters were responsible for the attack on the Capitol. In late May, a YouGov poll found that 73% of Republicans believed that Trump supporters were not responsible for the attack on the Capitol. In the days after the attack, a majority of Republicans believed that Antifa was responsible for the attack. However, that number has since gone down. What is important to understand here is that there is a fight over January 6th legacy. If the reactionary elements of the attack are addressed, it puts the Republicans in an awkward position, especially for those who peddle the conspiracies that created this attack. In response, Republicans are trying to create an alternative reality, a reality in which Antifa is to blame for everything, and Republicans have nothing for which they should be ashamed. It is a form of moral escapism for the leaders of the GOP, and it is a bit cowardly. But as much as we may like to laugh at this, this whitewashing of a serious attempt to stop an election can only lead to another event like this happening again. We can't downplay the significance of the horrific attack if we want to prevent it from happening again. We must reckon with our most recent history. In foreign policy news, the New York Times reported that the Biden administration has withdrawn sanctions against three Iranian officials and two Iranian-controlled companies. The decision came ahead of talks in Vienna between the United States and Iran. The talks involved the Biden administration's attempt to reinstitute the Iran nuclear deal that was carried out by the Obama administration before him. Though the Biden administration denies that this was made to persuade the Iranians, it is rather clear that that is the intention. However, it is unclear that it will work as the Iranians are already increasingly distrustful of the American government thanks to the previous withdrawal from the agreement by the Trump administration. However, the negotiations could be complicated by the Iranians' decision to send out two warships into international waters in the Atlantic Ocean. So far, it appears that the ship is headed to Venezuela, which will further exacerbate tensions between the United States and Iran, if not handled with tact by the current president. But so far, U.S. intelligence officials are merely watching, not advising action. With that in mind, it would be a mistake to cut off negotiations over these two ships. Overall, I think the diplomatic effort by the Biden administration should be lauded, but not glorified. The Biden administration should be lauded for its attempts to maintain diplomatic relations, but it still has a long way to go. For one, the Iranians need to get some assurance that the U.S. won't immediately pull out of any new agreement and that they will continue to benefit from working with the United States. If the Biden administration is serious about securing a deal, they must first acknowledge that reality. This is the sixth talk that has been held between the United States and Iran. Any serious investment will take time and trust, but so far it looks like progress is being made. 
Many of our allies beginning to show some optimism towards the deal, but the Biden administration must be careful here. Nothing is guaranteed. That's all for this week's episode. Thank you all for joining me. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it on Twitter and any other social media program that you want. It helps the podcast grow, and I really appreciate it. I will be taking a vacation next week, and the week after that is tentative. However, I will return soon. If you want to see more content outside of the podcast, consider checking out the newsletter on Substack. Just look up the Progressive American on Substack, and you will find me there. Thanks again, and have a wonderful weekend.